Hi, this is Emily with the Limitless Female Podcast. You are listening to episode 33, Minimizing Mama Anxiety. Woman, welcome. If you're a mama who is feeling all the feels of motherhood, the ups and downs of hormones, and maybe even depression, then you are in the right place. Limitless Female is your confident inner voice, helping you master your mood and create the epic life that calls you. My goal is to show you just how enough you are so you can show up limitless in your own life. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I have a treat for you today. I am going to offer a replay or broadcast of a masterclass I did this year on minimizing mama anxiety. This particular masterclass was short and sweet because if you're a mom and you struggle with anxiety, you probably don't have an hour and a half to sit and listen to a webinar or a masterclass. So this one's short and sweet. It's under 30 minutes long. I packed four of my favorite anxiety crushing tools there and also kind of what the actual problem is. Do you guys know that there's an actual problem that's creating anxiety? Also, I want you to know that whether or not you are diagnosed with anxiety or it is something that you're creating with your thoughts, so it's not a chemical imbalance, these tools will help, okay? Because even if you have a chemical imbalance, we are going to change your relationship with anxiety, which is your mood, right? The way you think about your anxiety changes your mood. And probably a lot of what we describe as anxiety is not. It's our initial emotion and then all kinds of other things that we've layered on top of it. So I delve into that here. I give you guys some tools and I kind of show you what's actually creating your anxiety and how to get some relief from it. So if you are feeling any of those feelings today, then this is the perfect podcast for you. And I would love to hear your thoughts. You can always email me at limitlessfemale at gmail.com. So just listen in and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, today we're going to be talking about minimizing mama anxiety. And I really do think that there's this unique beast of anxiety that we get as mamas that can be different than men, can be different than somebody who doesn't have kids. You know, we can all have anxiety, but I feel like speaking to moms with anxiety is just a special breed. Okay, so I want to talk about that today. So we are going to jump into mama anxiety. Doesn't that sound so fun? It is going to be fun. Even though it's called anxiety, don't worry about it. It's going to be fun. So you guys, I'm Emily, okay? And I am a lot like you. I have four kids. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 18. I'm very driven. I'm very athletic. I'm weird. I'm super goofy and um, I'm very crazy with my kids, which I never thought I'd be the mom that embarrassed her kids. And I totally am. I thought I was going to be the mom that my kids just loved being around, but it's totally not the case for me. So it's all good. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen, but it is happening. So when I was diagnosed with depression, um, it kind of hit me out of left field. I was a senior in high school and all of a sudden I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And I feel like anxiety is like depression's best friend. Okay. Because when we're down, we also start to spiral our thoughts and we start to feel anxiety. 
So I know what it feels like. And along the way, okay, I had a big journey of figuring out what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. And I did find a lot of relief in medication, which is something I really love and I'm really grateful for. And I also found that there isn't this steady stream of emotion and I wanted to be steadier. I wanted to be able to count on myself because here's the thing, even if you're diagnosed with anxiety and a doctor has medicated you and it works, right? You, you find the medication that works, you're still going to have a period, right? Or you're still going to get used to that medication at some point and need to switch to a new medication. You're still going to have relationships and um, difficult relationships that you have to navigate. You're still going to have people in your life that we can't change. And you're going to have big changes in your life. You're going to move and build houses and have babies. All these things are going to come and still create the expected and normal emotion that comes with being a human, even if we're medicated for anxiety or depression. So I know what it's like. Along the way, I found medication. I did a lot of other things too. You know, I changed my diet. I exercised. I used oils. But here's the thing. I was still having big dips because all of those things were dependent on something else. My emotions were dependent on whether I could go to the gym that day. My emotions were dependent on, you know, whether or not I could go see a friend so I wasn't so lonely. And all those things are important. But the tools that I want to teach you guys today are going to help you find that steady stream where you can manage your own emotions and you can choose how you feel. Doesn't that sound incredible? So let's start feeling better. This paper roll is so tall for me. All right, so I'm going to give you four tools to mom anxiety, but before I do, I want to just do some housekeeping, okay? Take notes. I don't want you to just write what I'm saying or what's written up here. I want you to write down what feels true to you. I might say something that you're like, that's a bunch of baloney. That's totally fine. You can think that. I want you to take things that serve you, that you feel like feels true to you, that's going to help you feel better. So if you have a thought that comes to you, if you like a thought I offer you, if something rings true to you, write it down. Keep a list of new thoughts to think as we go throughout this webinar. The second thing is that write down questions that you have for me in the Q&A box. And I'll try to answer them as we go. And if I don't get to them, we'll do them at the end. Okay. So, all right, you guys, in general, um, there are two types of anxiety. Okay. There's one where a lot of us call it situational anxiety or just the emotion of anxiety. And it can come on from a change in schedule. Like if all of a sudden my child is sick and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do that this week. I have so much going on right? I might have some anxiety. It can come from a change in routine. Like now the kids are home from school and now the weather's different, right? Or now we moved. Those transitions, we can feel like I can't do this. I'm not enough. How am I going to handle this? Right? Like this isn't fair. Okay. We also can feel fear of the future, 
Okay. That's also something that can trigger is a word that we use a lot for when certain situations seem to start our anxiety. So if I feel anxiety, when I start thinking about the future and all the possibilities of things that could go wrong, right? That's situational anxiety, right? It's anxiety that if you guys have been following me for a while and Kendra knows because I coach her that all of your feelings are created by your thoughts. Okay. All of your feelings are created by your thoughts. So anxiety is an emotion that's created by our thoughts. And I'm going to take you guys there more in a minute, but I don't want to diminish or lessen the other type of anxiety, which is a chemical imbalance. If you have clinical anxiety or you think you might have a chemical imbalance, it works a little bit differently, right? Your emotions are not created by your thoughts with chemical imbalances. Your emotions are created by a chemical imbalance, okay? So it's a little bit different. And I fully believe that if you have anxiety, that you should go to a doctor and talk about medication. Some of us feel like I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be hooked on that for life and I don't want to have to lean on that for life. But if you had a problem with your vision, you would never walk around going, I don't want to wear glasses because I don't want to rely on glasses for the rest of my life. We would go get glasses, right? And so I just want to put in my plug that getting medication and going to a doctor is super important if you think that you're clinically depressed or have clinical anxiety. But the most amazing thing, the good news is that I can help you with both. So even if it's diagnosed by a doctor, you feel like you have a chemical imbalance, this work will help you with both things. It's awesome. Okay. And I can't wait to show you how. All right, you guys, anxiety is a secondary emotion. Did you know this? This just means that it always is preceded by another emotion. It's never the initial emotion. You kind of have to work up to it. Okay. And the reason that we often call most things anxiety is because we have a lack of emotional vocabulary. Anxiety is becoming kind of a buzzword. And so instead of calling it overwhelm or boredom or discomfort or loneliness or frustration or um, I'm trying to think of other words, <laughs> feeling solemn or feeling underappreciated, like all these emotions that we have access to, we go right to anxiety because it's a secondary emotion, meaning it's preceded by a primary emotion. And then it turns into anxiety, which is why most of my clients describe it like their knots are in, their stomach is in knots. And I call it kind of like an emotional storm or like an emotional spiral, right? And that's because it's like one emotion piles on the next, piles on the next. And we do that with the thoughts we are thinking, okay? So we feel a primary emotion and then we think a thought and then we create the secondary emotion of anxiety because most of the time it starts as worry or fear or overwhelm and we move it into anxiety, okay? And the most important thing I want you guys to learn from today is that anxiety is created by resistance, by resisting how we are feeling. 
So I don't know if you guys noticed, but we're kind of a wimpy human race, or I guess here in America, anybody who is privileged and has food available to them and all that, we've become a little bit soft. I want you guys to think about when you're driving in the car and you need to set the temperature and you can set your temperature on your side to the temperature. Oh, sorry. Different from like my husband's temperature. He's always like, um, babe, you have your own. Cause I always like do the whole car and, and you can do that. You can, and you can pick the degree, right? 72 degrees. So we also can have something at our fingertips in two days. We go on Amazon and we order and it gets here in two days or using Amazon Prime now, we get it in two hours. Ice cream, crazy, Halo Top, right? I love it. So we can do that. We have access to everything. We have air conditioning and light when we need it. We don't have to work hard for anything. And so we also have become um, not very good at handling or experiencing, I guess, negative emotion. We want to get rid of it really quick because we don't actually have to feel it very often, okay? So when it comes to emotions, we can scroll our phones instead of feeling boredom, right? And we can go on Facebook instead of feeling lonely and we can feel like we're making connections, okay? We can avoid overwhelm which is sometimes what I do by watching TV like the night before I don't want to go to bed and restart the day and think about my plan. And so I think I'm going to not feel overwhelmed and I'm just going to stay wrapped up in the show right here. Okay. We can eat a brownie instead of experiencing irritation. We can stay busy, which moms are especially fantastic at, right? Instead of feeling, feeling unfulfilled right? Because sometimes that's an emotion that we have. Instead of addressing that emotion, we just stay really busy. Or we yell or blame others instead of what we're really feeling, which is shame, okay? So we've gotten really good at feeling something else or doing something else in order to avoid feeling a negative emotion. And when we do feel it, it's so uncomfortable that we often think something has gone wrong. We should not be feeling this. And that's where the resistance comes in, okay? We tend to think thoughts that create anxiety, a resistance to overwhelm or irritation or being unfulfilled, right? I shouldn't be unfulfilled. I'm a mom. I have kids who love me. I have everything I ever want. I shouldn't be unfulfilled. And then maybe we feel some shame. And then maybe we feel some anxiety, right? Or I shouldn't be lonely. I have kids around me all day. I have a spouse who loves me. Or like, this is weird. Everybody else is home. Moms do this all day long. How come I can't shake this lonely feeling? I shouldn't be lonely. And then we create anxiety, okay? Um, overwhelm, like I can't do this, okay? And then we feel overwhelmed. And then we think, I can't handle overwhelm when we feel anxiety. So we create this secondary emotion of anxiety by resisting these emotions that we're not very well practiced at feeling. Now, I was watching a, a Netflix special, and I think it's called like Exploring the Human Brain or something like that. And they were talking about how um, the goal is not to eliminate anxiety. The goal is to allow anxiety. And I was like, yes, you got it. <laughs> we want to allow anxiety. 
because allowing it is what you find relief from. Okay. I know it sounds kind of scary. A lot of my clients and I, I see in my tribe and in different places, people saying that they're kind of afraid all those feelings are going to just swallow them up. That if they just let the anxiety come in, it's going to be too much. I think our brain tells us that we just might die. Okay. My brain tells me this about all kinds of things. Okay. What if you don't get there in time? You might die. They'll be mad and then they'll kill you, right? Like my brain's always like, it's going to be the end of the world, right? And that's what our brains are really good at doing. But I'm going to show you why allowing anxiety is the way to feel better, okay? Because remember, resisting it is what creates the actual emotion of anxiety because without resistance, it's simply another emotion, okay? So if you guys have experienced anxiety, can you identify that maybe it was a different feeling before it became anxiety? Okay. And then if you aren't sure if you've resisted it, all you have to think of is, did I think a should statement? Did I believe I shouldn't have to go through this? Right. Things should be different than they are. Right. I shouldn't have to feel lonely. I should have friends. Um, I'm part of the church. You guys, there's a gnat in here. Kendra knows this gnat loves to bug me when I'm on the computer. Oh my gosh. I got to get rid of these plants. Who wants some awesome fiddle leaf plants? I'm sending them to you. I can't do it anymore. Okay. Back to the, back to the webinar. <laughs> so you guys, we need to allow our, um, anxiety in order to find relief from it. And I have found that there are three main thought categories that we tend to have that create anxiety, okay? These always come before anxiety. So we have an emotion, and then these are the categories of the thoughts we think. The first one is, I'm not enough. What if I can't do it? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have what it takes, okay? And it tends to turn into anxiety. It's not fair right? Some version of it's not fair. I've been gypped. Things shouldn't have gone this way. It's when we fight with reality, you can feel that resistance. It's actually happening, right? We're actually experiencing this challenge and we think it shouldn't be like this. We're resisting what's actually real in our lives. So it's not fair. The last one is what if. I bet you your brain talks to you all day in what if statements. What if something goes wrong? What if they don't love me when they're older? What if I'm ruining my kid's life? What if there's an accident? What if um, they don't forgive me? What if I don't have what it takes, which kind of falls under I'm not enough, but we ask all these questions and it's the catastrophizing, right? It's the looking into the future and creating a future only with our imagination, right? It's not actually happening about all the horrible things that can happen, right? Um, Kendra says all the time, I'm a pro at avoiding and should used to be my vocabulary all the time. Yeah. Should statements just come like they just flow like naturally for us. So um, yeah, we do avoid and we actually are creating that emotion of anxiety. All right, you guys, I want to teach you the four magic tools that are going to help you stop resisting that emotion that starts before it becomes anxiety, okay? And all of these things are going to help you 
get really good at negative emotion, right? So when we get rid of all those things, when we get rid of our phone, and you guys, I love all those things, right? But when we, those emotions come up and we can't get on our phone, or maybe we don't want to eat the brownie anymore, we need to get really good at experiencing that emotion. Not only will it allow us to create a life we love that's not full of brownies or not full of TV, if that's what you want, right? But also it helps us to not create a heavier, more paralyzing emotion like anxiety, right? So the first one tool is your value is set, okay? Some of you guys believe this, right? That you have worth that can't change. But did you know that you cannot improve or decrease your value, right? Your enoughness. Because I feel like even though a lot of you know that your worth is set, you also have the thought pretty consistently, I'm not enough. I won't be good enough. I won't have what it takes to make this work. Okay? None of that is true. Right? I want you to equate what you do with your enoughness. Okay? You always have what it takes. It's just a matter of whether or not you choose to do it. If it's important enough to you, if you're willing to feel the amount of discomfort for that goal, and you don't have to, right? You can totally not do that goal, right? But your enoughness never changes. Um, it sounds like thoughts like, I should be able to handle this, or my kids deserve a better mom than me, right? We assume that our value is not enough to be able to handle this, that we don't have what it takes, or that we aren't good enough for our kids, right? Or for the people we love in our lives. But you came to earth as a baby, whole and perfect, like a crisp $100 bill. Throughout life, you have challenges, you lose people you love, you experience, you know, hardship. You have lots of different relationships that you have to navigate. And some people feel harder to love than others. You have so many things going on for you, okay? This is you, the $100 bill, getting folded up and crinkled and shoved in the pocket and trying to use in the vending machine, right? But at the end of the day, it's still a $100 bill, okay? So what if you're not the kind of mom you want to be for your kids, right? Does that change who you are? Does that change your worth? Because I think that we tie that in with our worth. My kids deserve a better mom, and so I'm not good enough, right? So my value is less. I mean, what our kids deserve is a life of challenging growth just like we had and we have. And so they were given imperfect parents, okay? We will sometimes be a part of our kids' challenges, okay? This one, I should be able to handle this. This part fights with reality, okay? If we're not handling it, then maybe we shouldn't be able to handle it. Maybe it is really hard, right? And, and as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I would say we shouldn't be able to handle anything. We should fall a little short of everything, right? Because that's why we were given a Savior, I don't think Heavenly Father wanted us to come here and realize how incredibly amazing we were. I think he wanted us to come here and 
and be kind, humble, giving, amazing beings who relied on someone else. It's a big part of being amazing that you're willing to rely on someone else. And so we had a savior, right? I love this. Maya Angelou said, do the best until you know better. And when you know better, do better. We are always doing our very best, even when it's terrible. It's always our very best and it's all good. Okay. So when you feel overwhelmed, okay, and you can't make a decision or you feel like some kind of emotion that's stopping you from doing what you want to do, maybe it's okay. Maybe you're working with your best right now. And when you know better, you'll do better, right? So let's just allow some of this emotion instead of trying to chase it away and be someone who we think we should be. Okay, you guys, the second tool is the 50% rule, okay? The 50% rule is the idea that life is 50% negative and 50% positive, right? Opposition in all things. But it's really important that you understand why you need to understand this. A lot of understanding words, right? <laughs> so if you guys can think of a fish in a fishbowl, he's swimming around. And if you ask him, what is the water like? He's going to tell you, I don't, I don't know. It's like water, okay? Because that's all he's ever known. Just like us walking around breathing air. We don't know what it's like to breathe water, okay? Knowing that life is 50% negative and 50% positive allows you to know what positive emotion feels like. We have to have the negative to experience joy. There is no other way, okay? And so we've come to earth and we have half hard, half easy, and there are two reasons that this will make your life so much easier and help you allow emotion, okay? Number one, because when you think this is not fair, you're going to think, hey, Am I feeling like hardship like 50% of the time? And you might come up with, yeah, I kind of am, right? I kind of am feeling hardship 50% of the time. I guess I'm right on track. And when I think that thought, I'm right on track, it totally allows me to let the emotion in. Oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed a lot. Well, yeah, I'm growing a business and growing a business is hard and that's, that's my 50% right now. So come on, overwhelm, come on in, Right? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I have clinically diagnosed depression, right? And I'm like, come on in, depression. This is my 50%. Everyone's 50% looks different, but it's always 50%. So when you go and try a new goal, when you, when you change and become the next version of you, you will still experience 50%, right? You will still have half amazing, half negative. Because as you grow those joyful and amazing emotions on this side, this side of the continuum also grows, right? These feel deeper as this feels greater, okay? So you always will have 50%. And so let's just let what is be what is, right? Let's not try to think things should be different and this isn't fair and I got gypped. Maybe our experience is 50-50 and that's what we're going through, okay? Oh, you guys, I forgot. Amazing one, number three. This is such a good one, okay? Because as we catastrophize, 
which is a word that Jody Moore, I think, made up. It's so good. But as we like think about the future with our kids, with our spouse, with our relationships with people, and we just start to worry that everything's not going to be okay. And we start creating entire scenarios in our head about why it's going to be a problem and why they're going to drift from us and why we won't be enough. Okay. And then what, and then what, and then what, and we create this whole crazy, scary story that could actually happen, right? It's can be realistic. It's not always crazy and unrealistic, right? But when we do that, we, um, tend to increase our anxiety. Okay. And if we go, no, 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 like it's going to be fine. That actually feels more like resistance. Like, no, no, it's be fine. It's, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to worry about it. We're just kind of pushing the worry and the fear down and it just kind of gets greater and greater and greater. Just like holding a beach ball underwater. We're like, no, it's fine. I don't need to worry. Everything's going to be fine. There's no problem. It's kind of when people tell us to be a positive thinker, okay? There's a little more to that because when we're doing that, it turns into an eruption of anxiety, okay? What I like to do is take you to worst case scenario, okay? So when you have a story in your head, I want you to say, so what? Then what? Okay? So if my husband, I've never really worried about my husband losing his job, but here we go. We're building a house, right? If I had to go to worst case scenario, because I was getting kind of stressed, right? I've never built a house. I don't know what the budget, sorry. I don't know what the budget will look like. And so I had to kind of go to worst case scenario. I'm like, all right, worst case scenario, we get the budget from our builder and it's way more than we, than we planned on for building. We, what's the worst that can happen, right? And like, we, we sell the land and we get that money back and we start over and we keep the plans. Okay. Let's say we can't sell the land. We hang on to the land. We refinance it. Like, let's say we build a house and we don't have enough money. Like I started going to worst case scenario and my brain started realizing that it will be okay. And if your brain can't get there, it might end up that you feel a negative emotion, right? We lose our house. We have to work really hard. We figure everything out, but it's very uncomfortable. Worst case scenario is that you feel a lot of negative emotion, which guess what? When we catastrophize about the future, we create that negative emotion right now. Okay. So be willing to actually go to worst case scenario and see what's the worst possible. And can I make peace with that situation instead of feeling overwhelmed and scared now? All right, you guys. Number four is answer the what ifs before your brain does. Okay. So answering the what ifs, your brain is incredible, right? And you have this, this quick, efficient brain that tries to do things quickly without you using very much energy. And it's amazing. It saves you so much time and energy, right? It tells all your organs what's to do and it gets you somewhere with not a lot of thought. It helps me change a diaper without paying attention. I can watch TV while I braid my daughter's hair. That's the efficient part of me. It's logged some of these things into my lower, quick, efficient brain. Except when I offer questions, which is how most of us think in questions, especially when it comes to fear and worry, my brain is answering it quickly for me. It's being efficient. But my brain also 
is made to find danger. So it also thinks lots of things are dangerous. So when my brain says, what if this happens? Okay. When I think that thought, my brain answers, everything's going to be horrible. You're never going to get out of it. There'll be no way back. Okay. My brain's going to give me the worst answer. You know, what if my kids grow up and they hate me? It's because you were not enough. Okay. What if they blame me for everything, which I think I've come to realize they will, (laughs) and it's going to be okay. (laughs) What if they blame me for everything and your brain answers you and says, they will, and it will mean everything about you, that you didn't do a good job. Okay. So our brain talks to us all day long. Part of supervising your brain is talking back, right? When your brain says to you, when you think the thoughts, what if I can't candle everyone's needs in the family? What if I can't be there for every single person because I'm just one person? And your brain's going to tell you, well, then they're going to hate you and they're going to go hungry and your kids won't do well in school and they'll turn into drug addicts, right? Your brain's going to offer you all this. I want you to talk back to your brain. Okay, what if you can't handle it? Are you supposed to? Are you supposed to be able to meet the needs of everyone in your family? And my second question is, are your kids supposed to always have their needs met? And your husband, isn't it good for us not to always have our needs met, to struggle a little bit? Okay, so talk back to your brain. Um, Same questions that I mentioned, like, what if I mess up my kids? What if I push her away? What if we don't have the money? I want you guys to answer that. If we don't have the money, we will find the money. I always do. What if I push her away? We will deal with it when it comes. We are always fine in the moment. So instead of going to worry, which won't serve me with somebody I'm worried I'm going to push away, I'm going to stay in love and compassion. Okay. What if I mess up my kids? I like to answer my room with, I probably will. And it's fine. They're going to be okay. And I'm going to be okay. But I like that answer because it allows me to keep showing up for my kids. You know, some people are like, so you don't care about your kids. You don't care if you mess them up. You think it's fine if you're not there for everybody. And what I say back to them is, what's the upside of wondering if I'm going to hurt my kids or thinking that the needs of my family all lie on me? For me personally, when I believe that, I feel overwhelmed and overwhelm keeps me from showing up makes me hide in my room and watch TV and never want to come out, right? But instead, when I'm like, they will have the experience they're meant to have and all I can do is show up and do my best and I will probably mess up, guess what? I'm constantly going to be able to show up in their life because there's no shame involved. There's no anxiety. There's no overwhelm, right? Okay, you guys. So those are the four tools. Your value is set. The 50-50 rule, half of life is hard, half of life is easy, making peace with worst case scenario, and answering the what ifs before your brain do, okay? Those are the tools that are going to help you stop resisting whatever emotion is coming before anxiety. Now, like I said, if you have clinical anxiety, all these tools will still help. 
right? Because you still have all the same emotions as everyone else. You still can create anxiety with your emotions. But another thing that we tend to do is we tend to have thoughts, because we're human, about our anxiety, okay? Like, I shouldn't be feeling anxiety. I shouldn't have clinical anxiety. I shouldn't have to deal with this. This isn't fair. And those are resisting thoughts that will create more anxiety on top of it. So we get to choose what we think about any diagnosis, which also includes your mental health, which is incredible. Okay. So what I do with my clients is we spend time, you know, looking at their thoughts and helping them answer back their brain so that they can be in charge and supervise all those answers that their brain is offering to them. And they can find relief in their anxiety so they can show up with their families. Because my um, biggest hurdle with anxiety is that it pulls me away from the things I love in my family. And being a mom should be incredible. Let's get it there. Let's be able to show up for our families and stay present in our life because we're super good at feeling negative emotion. Let's get really good at it. I rock overwhelmed now. I do. I totally rock it because I know that I'm the creator of it and I know that I can handle it. I felt it before. I just take it along with me like a purse. I take my overwhelm with me when I do my work. When I know there's a lot, I know I'm just creating this in my brain and it's okay to feel overwhelmed, but it's not from the work I have to do. It's from my brain. So I just carry it with me. If you have questions about anything you've learned here on the podcast, or want help with something going on in your own life, hop on a free coaching call with me. In just 30 minutes, you'll have real tools for your unique situation. Go to limitlessfemalecoaching.com forward slash work with me, or you can find a link in the show notes below. Spots are limited, so grab one before you miss it.